0: The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, if it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Good afternoon everybody, Eric Franson with you here on the Full Court Press. Co-host Ajay Salveson, well, he kind of got caught in the canyon today. Uh, It's been a bad couple of days for Logan Canyon. Uh, An accident there on Saturday shut it down for several hours, and apparently an accident this afternoon has shut it down for several hours and may still be closed for several more hours. Just as Ajay was in the canyon starting to make his way over here, Uh, he was one of the first vehicles on the scene, actually. so we do hope to hear from him a little bit later on in the hour. Uh, he'll check in when he gets uh, back into a good spot where he has the cell coverage. But uh, anyway, no Ajay Salvison for our show today. Uh, and certainly it has been a very interesting weekend. Uh, if you weren't moved by some degree or another by the images that are being played out across the country this past weekend, I'm not sure you have a pulse. Um, certainly the, the the protests some of them uh, many of them which were peaceful but then turned violent um, has certainly rocked uh, a lot of our psyches and uh, what's going on created some interesting conversations um, with family members and young ones uh, and it's uh Something that we've seen in our past, but I had hoped that we were we were at a point in our history where we could move past some of those things, but clearly we're not, as we've seen. There have been too many documented cases of violence uh, from those in authority over those who uh, are unable to to protect themselves in the same way. So um, it's been a difficult couple of days. Not sure we're out of the woods. Uh, A lot of athletes are speaking out, sharing their personal stories. Uh, Interesting to see uh, journalists also sharing some of their personal stories. What's also unfortunate that I've seen is that, uh, and this is becoming well-documented as well, um, in the light of these protests, there are reporters who are there just to... Report on what's going on and trying to stay where they're supposed to stay, and observe what's and report in real time what's taking place in their communities, and they too are, are uh, suffering at the hands of some uh, police brutality, and it's uh, really sad and unfortunate. Um, I I know I know several police officers personally, great people, um, and I would say. You know, in my own personal experiences, like granted, uh, I understand that's not the same experience as, as everybody, but in my own personal experiences in interacting with uh, police officers, the vast majority of them are great people. They are trying to serve their communities. They're trying to do what's right. They're trying to protect. Uh, there are a few cases where you have somebody that put on the, the uniform and wear the badge and they feel like... They have an extra sense of authority, and they like to to, to flaunt that, um, and uh, that's sickening. Granted, I've never had an experience like many of these other people have experienced around the country, and it sickens me that that is still taking place, that violence uh, is, is taking place. I applaud those that are encouraging um, opportunities to express themselves and lift their voices to try to get some change. Uh, I do not applaud those that are using it as an excuse for violence. Uh, looting the, the shoe store ha- doesn't make any sense to me that, that has that is going to affect any kind of change for what has been taking place. F- bashing in the, the, the windows and uh, looting the 7-Eleven on the corner has absolutely nothing to do with racism and uh, what took place between uh, an officer and an unarmed black man. Um, Those actions of some over these last few days uh, is disgusting and deplorable. Uh, I appreciate those that are using a peaceful tactic. And uh, when there are tens of thousands of voices who come together... It can make a change and it can make a difference, but when there are those who just perpetuate violence and uh, attack others, it just builds on pre-existing stereotypes that others may already have, and it doesn't really help. So I applaud those who are um, lifting their voices and uh, sharing their opinions in a peaceful way. Um, and I don't think any of us should stand for those that are, are doing or are, are using violence to, to share what they think their opinions are. Um, I appreciate uh, those uh, athletes, uh, people in the sports community, who are using their opportunity, the, the pulpit that's been granted them because of their excellence in the field of play. When they speak, people listen. And uh, we've seen a lot of them over these past several days speaking up. And many of them saying the same thing. Let's do it right. Uh, let's speak up and do it the right way. Let's encourage change. Let's you know um, have discussions and try to find resolutions without resulting to violence. So hopefully those messages resound loud and clear. And those that um, you know, a lot of people look to and look up to for the things that they do um, will sink in. I, I get it. You know, just because somebody is good at one thing does not equate to them being good at other things. Uh, just because you're a good athlete doesn't mean that you're necessarily great at politics um, or necessarily business, for that matter. But what is true is that these people do have. A voice that people will listen to. Uh, they they look to these athletes. They recognize them as superstars and as movers and shakers. Some do we put them on a too high of a pedestal? Sometimes, yes, sure we do. But um, the, they have an opportunity to to speak up and encourage positive uh, things uh, that can help a lot of people move in a in a better direction. Uh, I think that's uh, that's great. I think it's encouraged. And uh, we ought to see more of that. So hopefully things start to calm down. I don't know that they will. I don't know that we're out of the woods yet on this. Uh, I'm not sure that um, some of our uh, other leaders around the country are doing things to try to heal and move forward. But uh, I'm, I'm encouraged by some of the things I do see. In some local communities, uh, people standing together, working together, and doing it in a peaceful manner. Uh, but uh, this whole show is not going to be necessarily just on that topic. Certainly, if you want to weigh in on that um, and how the the role of, of athletes or coaches in these types of scenarios, feel free to text in 435-339-0321 and uh, weigh in and share your thoughts. We can do that. We're going to hear from some of the other people of some of the different things that are going on in in the world of sports. There's big news today of Major League Baseball. Where are they at? They're actually in a, in a real mess with trying to resume or even get their season started. Uh, the way that they're squabbling over different things is, continues to uh, halt any progress that they seem to be trying to make to get a season going. Meanwhile, the NHL and the NBA, they seem to be making progress and have detailed plans that they're working towards. So, we'll update you on some of those uh, those plans and what they're saying as well. Um, but what um, a couple things just real quickly, uh, just to continue on some of the things that as we're hearing from um, you know some of the, the, these players that are getting involved, uh, that are, are sharing some of their, their feelings, some of their experiences. And by the way, if you subscribe to The Athletic, uh, I would highly encourage you to go read a great column that was written by a friend of the program, Tony Jones, who at one time covered the Utah State Aggies. And uh, he wrote a very, very interesting, very personal column about his own personal experiences growing up, even as a young professional, uh, and even in light of some things that happened this past weekend in Salt Lake City. Again, it's on The Athletic. It is a subscription-based uh, publication that deals with sports, but if you have a copy of that, uh, if you do subscribe to it, I would highly encourage you to go check out that column um, about, uh, written by Tony Jones, that was put together just uh, this afternoon. Uh, Very personal, very well written uh, about some of the things that are going on and uh, really how some people of color, just some of the the challenges that they face on a regular basis that those that uh, are not of that same color do not have to face. Um, But I'm encouraged by there's, some people that have, uh, some of these NBA players are participating in, in peaceful rallies, taking opportunities to take microphones and to and, uh, share messages of, of encouragement about how to do it right. And one of those was Udonis Haslam in Miami uh, over this past weekend. And uh, he shared some of his uh, opinions about uh, protesting and, and how to do it right.
2: There definitely has to be protests for what happened to George. Thank you. But I'd be lying if I said that it's been going about the right way. Mm-hmm. I'd be lying if I said that I'm proud of what's really been going on.
1: All right, there's a lot of frustration uh, that uh, it, uh, these types of protests, uh, people are taking advantage of them, and uh, and using it as an opportunity to commit violence, to loot. Um, and to do other things that they shouldn 't be doing that doesn 't help the message uh, I get it so there 's some on other on the other side that are saying look we we 're not going to get heard unless we do something dramatic well when there are when I see footage of a march in Philadelphia this afternoon that stretches for six city blocks and growing you can 't tell me that doesn 't get noticed and that doesn 't uh, get attention and uh, get people get people's attention. So there are ways to to do that uh, to get the message heard and to uh, to be a part of the discussion. Uh, hopefully, something literal comes of this. Some literal change does come as a result of this. Um, you know what that is, how it takes place. that's still highly debated, but something's got to happen. The, the, some kind of screening process, I don't know, that can weed out these bad actors before they're given the authority to wield a gun and decide the fate of somebody, especially if they're running away and if they're unarmed. So, uh, a lot of debate, I'm still raging on this, a lot of emotions. Hopefully, we can get a resolution to this. Cooler heads can prevail. Uh, let your voice be heard, but do it in a in a peaceful manner. Where you're not breaking windows, beating up uh, people, turning over cars, lighting them on fire. You don't need to do that in order to be heard. Uh, P.J. Fleck, uh, the uh, head coach at Minnesota, uh, says that um, you know, he's doing what he can to listen to his players, and while he may not be able to relate personally in his own life experiences. He's trying to understand, and I think that's what a lot of people need to be doing. If you can't personally relate to the same situation that these pe- some of these people have gone through in their lives, the best we can do is to try to understand what what's they're going through. And P.J. Fleck says he's what he's trying to do is listen to his players and understand their situations.
0: You know, as a football coach... You're in charge and you're responsible for 115 young men of every race, every religion, every background, every family background. And they're all working together to strive and come up with all the common goals. And they share those. Everybody's rowing towards the same thing, same vision. Uh, They love together. They win together. They share defeat together. They lose together. We share our differences together. The world right now could learn a lot from college football teams. Half of my players are African-American, half are Caucasian and white. And the world can learn a lot about how these young people are standing up, saying what they feel, and making sure their voices are heard. And as a head football coach, that's our responsibility. This week, we've told, I've told our football team, I'm a 39-year-old white Caucasian male. I'm not your head football coach. You tell me, you call me, I'm here to listen. Too many times as a head coach, we want to talk and talk and talk and talk, and we get paid to talk, and we talk for a living. But this is a time to listen and to have empathy and to be very real of what's going on with the social injustice around us. And Martin Luther King... Uh,
1: I don't know why that cut short. But anyway, I think you get the message of what P.J. Fleck is trying to communicate in that uh, it's a time... To listen, if you if you can't relate, the best you can try to do is understand um, what what some of these people have gone through and what they've experienced in their own lives, and it's it's really it's not anyone's place to just brush it off like ah eh, come on it can't be that big a deal because for some people it is a very big deal and very real and very personal. Uh, AJ Salvison, co-host here of the Full Court Press. Uh, I. I don't mean to throw you right into the middle of this, but I know you've made some comments before on this program that you have had some personal incidents, incidents uh, being a, a person of color that uh, there have been some things that have that have been said or done to you that have been uncomfortable uh, in this area. Uh, so it's it's very real, it's very close to home.
3: The craziest thing about it is when people like say they're shocked, right. And they're like, oh, my gosh, really? That happens? Or, uh, wow, I didn't think that stuff still existed. And uh, it's um, that kind of part. I kind of look at them and say, why are you surprised? Like, at what point did you think that racism ended? Like, Or or that, uh, that what would you call it? Just, I guess, even abuse upon African-Americans had ended. And I have, I've been through a couple of in a few situations, actually, uh, both, you know, a few through Logan I've been through a couple in Salt Lake city as well. I've been racially, I've been racially profiled twice, uh, by police. And that is terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Um, cause you just don't know because you don't control the result. The police do at all times. The police control the result and not even, your testimony and your story, which is real and true and 100% authentic, um, could even match up to them being the police. Uh, and and that, that part bothers me so much, that um, police can do what they want with little to no punishment. Uh, and with that being said, Eric, we as... Protesters, and I love what you said. I I I jumped on as I heard what you were talking about. We can do better in protesting. Why do we need to go loot places? Why do we need to go burn down buildings? Why do we need to go flip up cars? Why do we need to go bash in homes? Why do we need to be violent? Why can't we hold hand in hand, walk with a protest and a testimony that we want to be treated equal? I get, I get that you're angry. I get that you're upset. I get that you don't believe the justice system, justice system is fair to you, and I would agree with you at that. But there is just no reason and no way that we can justify ourselves to go out and break and burning down buildings. Now, from what I've been reading, it's, it's uh, people from out of state uh, causing this uh, issue that there are people hired to uh, cause this violence, which is absolutely unacceptable. And it ruins what we're trying to get our message out to be, and that is equality between us and, uh, and whites, really, to be very blunt with you. That's all we're asking for is just a little bit of, you know, acknowledgement and respect that we are like everybody else. We're not any different, and I definitely too. Um, when I was talking to a friend, uh, you know, they said, you know, Ajay, it's crazy because you have about—you probably have more white friends than my family combined. Like, all your friends are white, and I said, you know what, you're right, and all of them are really good to me. They are all incredibly respectful to me, all very caring. They've never said anything derogatory to, to me that would have made me feel uncomfortable, um, and he said, man, you must feel lucky, and I said, I do, because there's a lot of people who don't get that same treatment, so that's, I know it's kind of a long, long explanation and a long, I guess, um, concern from me, but it's, it's a bigger problem than people think. And you and people shouldn't be shocked about this, that it's happening. You shouldn't be shocked at all. It's been going on for a long time. Whether you notice it or not, I don't know. But uh, stuff like what happened to George Floyd uh, has been going on for quite some time. And it, it's it got to stop, man. Enough's enough. And I just I don't know if it will ever.
1: Well, I saw something this weekend that I thought was really kind of hit the nail on the head. It's not that, uh, you know, Racism or police brutality has suddenly gotten worse. It's just that more people are armed with videos, video cameras yeah. on their phones to capture it. Uh, and so, um, you know, they're, it's it's sad. It's unfortunate. It's, um, as I'm watching this on Saturday, surrounded by my kids, they're oh. like, "Why is this? Why is this happening? Why did?" Why are people mad in Salt Lake City for what one policeman did that was wrong in Minneapolis? And had to explain that there's a lot more than just what happened last week in Minneapolis. You know what I
3: kind of wonder, and give me your opinion on this, Eric. If this Devin officer who had killed this man, laying on him for nine and a half minutes, two and a half of the minutes he was dead, if they would have gave him first degree murder and maybe the death penalty, are we still seeing as violent as a protest?
1: Well, they if have they, they have apprehended the officer. Uh, I don't know if he's been formally charged. But... So
3: he's been given third degree murder, um, with with manslaughter. But. Um, and and people are wondering why is it third degree? Why isn't it first degree murder? Now and and I don't know this, Eric. So maybe you could help me out. Can they move that up to first degree, or is it is it? I mean, once they say it is, it's set in stone.
1: Uh, I think unless you can have additional evidence, I think that's the only way you can change the charges. But I'm not entirely sure. I'm not an expert yeah. on any of well, those things. The,
3: well, yeah, and, and and here's the thing is that I don't know how much evidence they need. They got a video of this guy laying, on, I mean, laying on the ground with an officer putting his knee into his neck and taking his breath away and killing him, killing him. A man who is unarmed is laying on the ground who can't breathe, and his officer kills him. I said, and you know what's crazy is that now you're seeing more videos pop up. I saw another video of four officers laying on on a man who, by the way, was white, and he said he couldn't breathe. And these officers are joking around and laughing, and then they get him onto a stretcher, and and then a a paramedic comes by and says, was he breathing when you guys got him? And they all kind of looked at the paramedic, because there's a cam on the chest. They all looked at the paramedic, and they said, "Uh, I mean, he may have been breathing. Well, we're not sure. And the paramedic said, he's not breathing. And then one officer said, well, are you sure about that? And they check his pulse, and he died. Like, how in the world does this happen? And we and, and, and the officers are getting paid administrative leave. Some officers get fired, sure, but others get administration leave while they investigate, quote-unquote, and then they fire them. If this, I mean, it just, I, I don't get it, and it doesn't make sense to me. And, and i got to tell you something. I've never said this in public, but I'm going to tell you something right now, on air. If... I'm terrified when a police officer pulls me over. I'm scared to death. I honestly and ter- I actually said, what I'll do is I'll put my hands on the wheel and kind of just like leave them in the air, just in case. My wife isn't really feeling well right now, and I'm terrified that if one day I come home and she's not alive and she's dead, and I call nine one one. And the police are going to investigate me as the reason for her death. Like, I'm scared to death of it, man. And I'm not going to get a fair trial because of my color of my skin. And they're going to say, well, he, you know, just, I mean, they're going to find reasons, whatever fake reasons they can find. But in the end, it will be in their heads because he's colored. And that terrifies me to this very day.
1: Well, I think that's something that we're, you know, like, Tony Jones, I don't know if you heard me talking about him, uh, great piece he put together on The Athletic. Oh, uh, fantastic. Just,
3: oh, it, my gosh. It's
1: sad that there have been uh, documented cases where things like this happen. Now, it's not just, again, I want to be careful. I'm not trying to say that, that this happens to every every police police officer is this way or every prosecuting attorney is this way. And I think that we need to be careful about that. Because there are a lot of great, great people that are trying to do things the right way, but the problem is you have some of those bad actors. And if it was an isolated case, we'd be upset about what happened to George Floyd. But what's unfortunate is that there've been multiple cases over the last little while here that it's just like it's not in just one place. Yeah. that's what's that's what's so problematic, and that's why I think you see people. You know, taking to the streets in multiple communities around the country. I also think that part of it is there's been a lot of pent-up frustration and anxiety over coronavirus. People have been pent-up in their homes. There's a lot of anxiety and stress, and it it, it this is a trigger, uh, and it's, a, it's just a bad combination of a lot of things.
3: Yeah. No, you bring up some really good points, Eric, and I also want to kind of clarify everything, you know. We, we don't, I don't think every police officer is bad. Like I, I've seen some pretty cool videos of police officers, you know, these, these African-American, these black people, you know, just are, are frustrated and overwhelmed with emotion. They start bawling and they just want to be held. And these police officers grab them and, and, and pull them in and hug them. You see police officers kneeling with other protests. You see police officers you know, talking peacefully with them saying, Hey, we're going to get through this together. I promise. And I, and in fact, I've actually, I mean, I, I've, as many bad instances as I've had with police officers, I've had a few that are good where I've had a, a, a very respectful conversation with them. I was respectful to them. as I should be and they were respectful to me. And that's the other thing is, is, is even if we do feel insecure when a police officer comes to our car as an African-American or as a colored person, we still need to show them respect. Don't all of a sudden go after them and, and, and cuss at them or, or, or accuse them or anything. Be respectful from the get-go. They have a camera on their chest and if anything goes away and it's not on you, it will be proved. But if you can be respectful to them, they will be respectful to you, but we have to do our, that's the other thing, Eric, is that we have to do our part on the protest side. We have to be, understand that, you know what, these officers are protecting buildings, they're protecting people, and um, not all of them are bad apples, and if we can just go to them and say, hey, look, we just want a fair shake in life, and if we can somehow have that conversation with them, Eric, we can get back to being, to being okay, but it's going to take some time, especially right now, it's going to, it's going
1: to take some time. I uh, can't agree with you more. Uh, you know, I, 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 I can't imagine being an officer that gets called out to a violent protest, having to stand on the front lines with people throwing all kinds of bad language at my, at my direction, maybe even throwing projectiles at me as well. Oh yeah, and, and not get frustrated and not. To some degree, lash out. It's so incredibly difficult. It doesn't excuse the the some of the violence that does that happens from these officers. That's what they're paid to do: is to keep the peace, not incite more violence. But I can't yeah, imagine it, what it takes to go through that. I couldn't do it personally.
3: Can, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm. I know we gotta go to break here. Um, it's crazy when you get Ajay on; you can cover 15 more minutes. Um, but I, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that I'm going to tell you a personal story. I, uh, for, well, not you, you already know it, but I mean, for a lot of other people, I, I have a father-in-law who hates me for the color of my skin. I have a racist father-in-law. He's never talked to me. He didn't come to our wedding. He's never spoke to me. He won't look at me. He won't acknowledge me. We've been married for five years. And, uh, um, and, I've always and so I think it was like during year 3 I was uh I was having lunch with Thurl Bailey and he went through something kind of similar to me I won't go into details cuz that's not my it's not my right but he and I asked him I said what do I do like when I when I first meet him and I'm able to have my first discussion with him what do I do and he and he looked at me and he had tears in his eyes and he said you forgive him you say I'm you say that you forgive him when he says he's sorry. And, uh, it, 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 it caught me off guard. Um, and well, I mean, we are sitting in a public restaurant, him and I and having a conversation and he told me a couple of personal experiences that he went through with, um, with, uh, with his wife's father. And, um, I won't share those over the air, but, he said, in the end, he told his wife, too, because his wife was angry with, with her own father, and, and he said, you need to forgive him. We need to forgive him. Even if we've done no wrong, we need to forgive him. Uh, and he said that will be the quickest way to get to the path of, of love. And so as we, as a, a protest or African-American or colored group, if we can go out and say, you know what, I forgive you. We can be better. And we can create peace and we can create love and we can create a bridge between us that has been just blown into smithereens and we can rebuild that bridge. Maybe, just maybe, Eric, we can get back to having a trusted relationship and a normal life. Maybe.
1: Well, Ajay, I appreciate you willing to share personal experiences. I know they're difficult to share and difficult to voice, especially in a public forum like this. Um, we're seeing a lot of, uh, people, um, being strong, willing to share those experiences from times that they've been hurt, times that they've been felt scared and and threatened and uh, willing to share those, those experiences, not just to, to, and from, from how I know you, how I know Tony Jones, you guys aren't sharing these stories for sympathy. You're not sharing these stories for us to say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Um, for attention, it's to say, look, this is very real, and it happens closer to home than you think. And we got to find a way through it. We got to be better. So I appreciate you for doing that. Appreciate Tony for what he shared today on the athletic.
3: I appreciate you, and you know, I did, like I said, I have a lot of friends who are who are Caucasian, who are white, and you're one of America. You're one of my closest friends too. Uh, and I appreciate the respect and you being willing to talk about this, that it's, it, it's one thing to say, you know, uh, you know, we'll just breeze to the conversation because I'm uncomfortable, but for you to dive into it and say, you know what, this is the opening topic. This is what we're going to hit today because this is what needs to be discussed. That tells me a lot about you and to tell our listeners a lot about you as a person and, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you as a co-host and a friend.
1: Well, Ajay, appreciate you. And, uh, I, I know you're stuck. On the other side of the canyon right now. Oh,
3: man, dude. I oh, just brutal. Oh, uh, dude, it's so hot here. It's I'm a developing starving.
1: situation in Logan Canyon. We're going to have some more details about that in just a moment. If you had plans to get to Bear Lake or back from Bear Lake through Logan uh, Canyon, it, it's not happening right now. It's been a very, very busy couple of days for search and rescue and others uh, in Logan Canyon with vehicles in the river. Not a good not a good couple of days. But, uh, Aj, glad you were safe. You didn't get caught up into it. I know you were close to the scene, but uh, glad you're safe, and uh, we'll hope to see you tomorrow.
3: Yep, we'll be here tomorrow, my man.
1: All right, thanks, Ajay.
3: All right, see you, buddy.
1: All right, so uh, with that, let's take a short break here on the Full Court Press. Let's take a deep breath. Uh, again, if you want to chime in on this, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. 435-339-0321. Text us into the show. Uh, but there are some developing things going on with Major League Baseball we're going to get to, developments with the NBA that we're going to get to, and how those two leagues are vastly different and how they're trying to find a resolution to the not having any games and how to resume play and why there's such a difference between those two leagues. We'll discuss that coming up next here on the Full Court Press.
0: It's the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Eric Franson with you here on a Monday. Thanks for tuning in wherever you may be. Listening on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, or streaming us online, 1069thefan.com. Appreciate Ajay joining me here just for a few minutes while he could. <laughs> Got caught up in the traffic accident that we heard of there uh, during the break. Um, there was a traffic accident. On Saturday, a van in the river, which shut down the canyon for several hours. Thankfully, everybody was able to get out of the vehicle safely, transported to local hospitals, nothing life-threatening. Though it sounds like there was another accident this afternoon in the canyon involving a semi-truck. Somebody did get hurt a little bit more uh, seriously than what we saw on Saturday. But uh, it's causing that uh, whole canyon, both directions, to be closed uh, they're going to reevaluate things, but could be closed up until 6 o'clock tonight. So uh, if you had plans to go to Bear Lake, you're going to have to take the long way around. You may have to go up to Preston Way and through that Emigration Canyon, drop down near uh, Montpelier, and then come down south from there. So definitely out of the way, but if you need to make make the trip one way or the other, that's how you're going to have to do it. Uh, before we get into some of the news of the day with Major League Baseball and uh, and the NBA, saw this uh, an action taken by USC, and I wonder if more organizations will will employ a similar tactic to try to knock the nonsense off. Uh, a, a booster of USC Athletics took to Twitter, and somebody's Posted something saying LAPD union uh, attorney says protesters. Well, uh, well, somebody took to to Twitter and said, "Heads up, LA protesters at Fairfax and um, I uh, anyway another place Venice, uh, LA uh, Beach uh, police departments just sent about twenty cars in an area blocking traffic. Uh, stay safe." And then this uh, person tweets out says, "Shoot the protesters." And so USC and this this person who says shoot the protesters um, is a um, is a booster of USC athletics. And so USC athletic director Mike Bond says in a statement last night, "We were made aware of an, of abhor- abhorrent and blatantly racist tweets from an individual who identified as a USC football booster." Following an immediate investigation into the matter, we informed the individual that their season ticket and Trojan Athletic Fund membership privileges have been revoked and their payments will be promptly returned. Their account has been flagged in our system to prevent future purchases. Uh, This was from Marla Brown, who previously worked as a Los Angeles Police Department union attorney, posted these tweets on Sunday. and. Anyway, said some things that really not appropriate. Um, and uh, so, anyway, interesting move by uh, by USC. And um, Brown was was asked to clarify her role as a football booster. He says, "I'm not really so close to the program. I think in terms of NCAA recruiting issues, were considered boosters." because we can't communicate with players, etc., So that's where that comes from. I don't engage with players or help recruit them. I have met several at events that the school hosts. So um, anyway, interesting move that uh, I wonder if more organizations will, will follow suit. If they find that uh, a supporter of their program is using inflammatory racist language, if they'll boot them. Much like what Utah Jazz did in that incident with Russell Westbrook a few years ago. They kind of set a standard. And now that happened in their arena. What happened with USC and this booster was on social media. But will more people start to do similar things? Say, look, you don't get privileges with us if you're going to act that way. I don't know. Interesting tactic. I can't say that I disagree. It's one of the ways to to snuff this, this nonsense out. Can't act like that and, and expect to receive the same privileges as a normal human being. All right, uh, we're going to move away from that now. Um, there are some things that are going on in the world of sports. Major League Baseball is really in a shambles right now. The owners back in March had a plan. They had an agreement with the players that allowed the ownership to mandate a shorter season. He also instigated some pay cuts. Now, is the the delay continued, now they're trying to figure out, well, what does our resumption of play look like? What do salaries look like? How many games are we going to play? So now they're getting into more of the nitty-gritty. And Major League Baseball owners said, okay, let's do 82 games. Basically half the season. Um, and Major League Baseball Players Association came back and said, well, we want to do 114 games because they recognize, as the owners have said, the, the, they get paid based on how many games are played. And if there's more games played, the owners have more opportunities to make some money. So from the Players Association, that was their, their proposal. Look, here's a way that we can play more games. We'll be willing to do more doubleheaders, and we'll still try to get this thing wrapped up in October. Well, Major League Baseball comes back today and says, how about 50 games? So they countered the 114 with 50. And originally, it was 82. Well, if you take 114 and 50 and you were to meet in the middle, guess where you'd be? 82 games. Uh, Jeff Passan reporting that this is a really important week for baseball to try to get this figured out. There's, there's, the millionaires are squabbling with the billionaires and not a lot of us have a lot of sympathy. Um, and, and really they're treating there's two separate factions here. The owners get together and they present their proposal. Then the players association, they get together and then they present their proposal. And so it's just here's our thing, you look at it, you react, you take time to present a counter proposal. They're not really working together, they're working against each other. And so Jeff Passan says this is a really important week for Major League Baseball. If they want to try to get something together. Because owners have said, look, we're almost to the point where it's more expensive for us. If you guys aren't going to take a pay cut, it's more expensive for us to play a season than to not play a season. So, again, a very important week for Major League Baseball to try to get some resolution.
4: It's just more for baseball to consider uh, than it has already. And if it wants to be the first professional sport in America first major professional sport to come back then this week is going to be absolutely seminal it
1: says that this uh, latest proposal could alleviate some of the financial headaches that they're being discussed could provide some options and a way forward for the league
4: Owners have talked about having cash flow issues, and one way to alleviate cash flow issues is for players to defer money to the future. Now, they want these monies paid with interest, so it is deferrals with sort of a twist on it, but that being said, it opens the door potentially for more deferrals in an MLB proposal back to the Players Association.
1: And now there is a, there's an opportunity that there could lead to some compromise based on you're gonna go this way, we're gonna go that way, and how can we kind of meet in the middle, maybe? There is some talk about if a postseason gets delayed or if it gets canceled because of a second wave, uh, you know, certain deferment of payments for players that make over ten million dollars. That's something that the players association is floating out there saying, Look, we if you make more than ten million dollars, you're gonna be okay financially. And so we'll we'll be able to concede that. But there's still got to be some compromise in order to make this work.
4: MLB is going to reject this proposal. It's just an inevitability like it was inevitable that the players rejected MLB's proposal on Tuesday. That included the pretty (laughs) drastic pay cuts for players up and down. Uh, but the issue is going to be on the owner side. Now, there is a group of owners. It's a small group at this point, but there's a group that's been fairly vocal about there not being a 2020 season and what the benefits would be to that. And the question is, is this proposal going to give them more ammunition, perhaps, going forward and being able to bring some others onto their side? Or are they going to see this from the players as an olive branch saying, hey, let's find somewhere to meet in the middle?
1: And that's where we are today. After this latest counter-proposal by Major League Baseball with the 50 games, then uh, they'll get. To, then the Major League Baseball Players Association will say, "Okay, look, fine, we'll do the 82 games." Uh, and that's such a drastic difference: 114 versus 50. Uh, it, it, so there's a lot of things that aren't really working right in Major League Baseball with how they're trying to do this, uh, and the the, the players proposal does have some real sticky points that's going to make it difficult to work. And that's why we uh, we heard Passan say it's, it's really not likely that the owners are going to accept their proposal that they laid out there recently. It is
4: a 114 game proposal by the Major League Baseball Players Association. The season would start on June 30th and on October 31st. I think the most important point here, though, is not the size of the season, which is up for negotiation, but a caveat that they put in there about if there is no postseason this year, then they are willing to defer $100 million in salary for players making $10 million or more in the season.
1: So hopefully Major League Baseball owners and the Players Association they can meet somewhere in the middle. They can work something out. We'd love to have baseball come back. But the way they're squabbling over this, it's – it's really frustrating because there could be a way forward. There could be baseball this summer, but they're squabbling, and it's it's not fun. <laughs> I really want to see it get re- resolved. Uh, coming up next year, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about how the NBA is, is progressing in a different way and how there is light at the end of the tunnel for NBA and how there is opportunity for them to resume their season and make it work for everybody involved and how that is so different from what's going on in Major League Baseball. It's coming up next here on the Full Court Press.
0: It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
4: The one thing that the NBA has done a very good job of of is keeping the union alongside them in this. It's not like the owners are making a decision and then presenting a proposal like they do in baseball. They are sort of riding alongside of them. So I don't anticipate there to be any sort of labor issue. That said, it's got to get negotiated, and it's got to do it in a small time frame. That's a factor that has to get done before anything can get finalized.
1: That was Brian Windhorst. The differences between Major League Baseball and the NBA. Adam Silver and the Players Association have been hand-in-hand hand, or at least in constant communication with, uh, with each other about how to resume play, how to make it work and uh, how to have some way of determining a champion that uh, at least not, maybe not everybody can agree with, but at least is palatable for all sides involved. And uh, it's not an easy task, but Certainly, you can see that the NBA, what they're doing and how they're communicating with their players is much less controversial and at least has a way forward that seems to be working than what's going on in Major League Baseball right now. Uh, The word is this weekend that the NBA is moving towards a plan of having 22 teams involved and the season would restart in July. They won't go straight to the playoffs. Teams and players don't want to go straight to the playoffs after having been off for like three, four months. They want to be able to have some games under their belts for health reasons, to prevent injuries, and really to improve uh, their skill level, get back to where they were, at least closer to where they were. Uh, A plan is going to be released and voted on um, this Thursday, allegedly, according to multiple reports, and uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that trying to find a plan that may not benefit everybody, but at least benefits most.
0: The opportunity that Phoenix would have to essentially essentially be, uh, you know, the 21st or 22nd team in this, you know, I know they're elated for the chance to get their team back together and have a training camp and go play. It is worrisome to teams like Atlanta, Detroit in particular, that they're not going to be able to uh, play a meaningful NBA game for nine months.
1: And that is part of the things that's being discussed that may come out of this, is that if you weren't invited, if you weren't one of those 22 teams, you can have some form of a summer camp, some kind of a training camp in this new offseason. Otherwise, the last time that your team was together was in mid-March, early March, and you won't have your team again until November? So. That's terrible for team development. If you're one of those younger teams or, or teams that were out of it, and you were trying to develop younger guys, uh, that's a big blow to your team. If you're a smaller market team, that's a really that's a real challenge because you already have a hard time attracting quality, at least high level, free agents to come. You got to develop your own people. So, some way of allowing these teams that don't get into this 22 team uh, resumed resumption of play. Allowing them to still have some kind of training camp, still be able to work with their players, is uh, probably going to be part of what gets revealed and voted on this upcoming Thursday. And the other part of it, too, is if they're an international player, and you went home, you got to come back to the States, probably quarantine for 14 days. And then before you go back to Orlando, you may have to quarantine for another little bit just to be sure. So they got to figure this out soon to give ties proper time. Anyway, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great night. Wow. We'll see you tomorrow.
2: I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Yesterday was a good day for soccer fans. Both England's Premier League and Italy's Serie A announced that they would be coming back in June. If you're not a soccer fan but are eager for American sports to return, it was also a good day. You may have to listen to soccer stops going on a little too much, but... Every sport that comes back provides lessons that other leagues can use. How to get everyone in the right place. How to compete safely. How to make a better television product and whether fake crowd noise makes for a better show. Hopefully the different leagues and different continents communicate with one another. In England and Italy, soccer is such a huge part of their cultures. It's not a surprise they prioritize bringing it back. For many American fans, our sports fill the same role. We're eager for them to come back. But hopefully we can appreciate this time and a chance to learn how to bring back sports in the United States in the best possible, safest way. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.